welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. This week, uh, it's me and Lauren, and we're interviewing Richard and Lana Weston, Captain Richard and Lana Weston. Uh, do you want to tell us a bit more about yourself and what you do? Yes, uh, we're the officers at Morley Corps, and um, we've been officers since 2013. Proud members of the Proclaimers of the Resurrection session. And before that, we lived in Worcester. Add anything to that, Lorna? No, that's fine. Good. So it's with the Salvation Army, isn't it? Your car officers with. Uh, how yes. long have you? Uh, how long have you both been Christians? Well, um, I suppose I've sort of been going to the Salvation Army um, since I was a baby because my mom and dad are Salvationists. But it was sort of at, at seven, really, when I sort of realised that I wanted to. Uh, Jesus to be my special friend um, but then my my faith and my relationship with God really developed as I I got o- older and um, in my teenagers really so about when I was about 14 really my relationship with God grew. And for me um, yeah I guess I was brought up in a Christian household um, from the dot when I was born and um, it was a gradual process so I've been asked that question before. When did you feel you became a Christian? And um, I would suggest it was probably through events like youth councils and the good old-fashioned corps cadet rallies we used to have within the Salvation Army for those of us between the ages of about 12 and 21, something like that. And those events spoke to me. And through that, a gradual process of understanding that, you know, Jesus was a part of my life and I wanted to model my life upon him. So it wasn't like a one big moment, like some people seem to imagine a conversion experience. It was more of a journey, would you say? Absolutely. I mean, we used to have a core officer who, um, he, he was converted when he was, he can remember the exact moment he was in the bath and the mm-hmm. Lord came to him there and he gave his life to the Lord at that moment. And Very sometimes I think to myself, I'd love that to be my experience, but my experience was a gradual process, very gradual process over a long period of time. And, um, you know, I guess I fall into the category of the of the salvationists that put the uniform on when I was 14 because I wanted to play in the army band, not really understanding what that all meant. Mm. But because I was allowed allowed to do that, um that gradual process continued for me and probably mid to late teens before I really understood what it was all about. So would you say what what would you say your first like real experience of God was then? Like when did you first realise God was there? Was it from that younger age or one of those youth events? I think I think for me, I always I always understood I always believed in God. I always understood God. I had that very basic understanding of him when I was a child. But um, to actually experience him and understand a little bit more about what that meant, and still to this day I'm understanding what that means and it's growing all the time. Um, yeah, I would think my probably my first experience of, of really understanding what God was all about was at one of those so youth rally type of things um, through through one of the speakers, but don't ask me the date and time and the minute because it was such a gradual thing. How about you, Lana? Me, I suppose again, really, it was sort of in my teenage years where I sort of uh, 
sort of went along to the army and was with friends and it was through again through bible studies and again it was a gradual thing really that I mean I haven't got this fantastic sort of where Jesus spoke to me and all that really it's just a gradual journey and um, and that journey is still continuing now where I'm learning every day really on the job as you would say yeah so when was like so obviously you were salvationist first when did you first realize there was a sort of call to like leadership and officership I'll, I'll go first because mine was a long long time ago um, it, um 1988 um when i felt well, called to be an officer and um we we just become engaged and i clearly remember um the time that i was called to officership and i clearly remember saying to the lord yep absolutely fine no problem with that whatsoever but i'll leave you to talk to lorna and <laughs> i wasn't that brave at that point because we just got engaged and I didn't think it would be something that she would have entertained. And I think she'll probably tell you in a minute it wouldn't have been. But it took um, over 20 years for God to get around to speaking to Lorna or for Lorna to get around to listening to God. I'm not sure which way around it was. Um, so, yeah, so back in the 1980s, um, before mobile phones and things like that and, and podcasts and stuff like that, you know, uh, before we had those types of things. What about you? Uh, yeah, for me, I always thought that I wasn't good enough. I was just plain old Lorna, going about doing the things I normally would do. I enjoyed the job I was in, um, but there was something in my job that I wasn't quite happy with. So I went on one of these Design for Life weekends. I thought, I'll go and see what the Lord has to tell me there. Little did I realise while I was away on that weekend that he was going to call me to become an, an army officer. And I can remember, and that was 2008, wasn't it? And I can remember all on the way home, crying all on the way home, because I had to tell my family that I've been called to be a Salvation Army officer. So, yeah, I, I mean, plain old Lorna. Why would God call Lorna? But he did. And so I, I listened to him. Um, perhaps I didn't hear him as I should years ago, but, you know, he called me in 2008. That's, that's really interesting. So how was, how was the actual process of officership? Like, how, what, what, what was that like to go through? The application process. Well, yeah, and the actual like learning as well, and your first sort of like, appointment and stuff like that. Well, that was that was that was really interesting because um, the application process is is quite detailed nowadays, and I think we were one of the first um, assessment conferences to go through what was a fairly new process. So, um, ten ten references and lots of interviews and assessment weekend and all sorts of psychological tests and bits and pieces um, so that was quite interesting um, and then of course we returned to the classroom in 2011 having left school in 1984 and and realistically you know that was the first formal education I'd had in all of those years and that was quite a strange experience and I remember distinctly one day sitting in the classroom and and um, thinking to myself, um, this, this guy that sat next to me, he's got his iPad in front of him and he's, he's watching Colonel Gaddafi and whatever was happening with Colonel Gaddafi and, and Sky News. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? Um, when I was at school, we were told what we needed to, to learn and we, 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 we didn't disagree with the teachers at all and all that sort of stuff. Whereas this guy, he's managing to multitask. He's watching Sky News 
but he's also disagreeing with what the lecturer is telling us, and he's, he's sparking some some conversation and some debate in the classroom. And I very quickly realised that um, you know education and learning styles had, had changed, and that was a massive challenge for for both of us. I think as we as we went through two years of you know, education in the classroom, learning things as we went on placements and things like that. Uh, but as we look back now on that, it was a it was a privilege to take part in that training. It was a challenge at times. Um, it was um, it took some getting used to to live in community with another group of like sixty other people that we'd never met before, um, and we were sort of our own little. Um, oasis i guess of, of, of peace and quiet in the middle of london um but it was it, it helped us and it it added to the experience that we got of leadership in the salvation army of leading at a local level and of leadership in in management jobs that we would had in in past life um to able to um you know enable us then to to apply some of that learning in our first appointment which Lauren will tell you about. Well, I, I mean, for me, for training, I thought the Lord had a sense of humour because I always struggled at school as it was education-wise. And now when you call me at 40 to go into college to do assignments, and I haven't got a clue really. So I, I was really panicking over that. But I put it in the Lord's hands and said, look, Lord, you've called me um, to be an officer and, and I know that you would equip me to do that. And I was so pleased because I passed all my assignments in college and 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 now he's equipping me um, just as much now as he did then. And going to a first appointment, which was um, a Scarborough, which was a lovely, a lovely place to, to live, but uh, also a lovely place to be able to, to minister there. Um, yeah, it was really difficult because, uh, of course, it's your first appointment. You, you don't know what you're going to face. You don't know what situations you're going to have to deal with. And, yeah, it was challenging times, um, but really exciting and blessed times as well. And every step of the way, the Lord equipped me. I mean, there were some really situations I thought I never would have to deal with or how I would have to deal with them. But every time I knew the Lord would be there equipping me. And so, yeah, it was a fantastic appointment. Um, learned a lot from, from it. And now we're in Morley and it's just exciting and it's challenging. What are the sort of, um, so say you, you've had this, Morley's your second appointment. What, what were like the main lessons you took from the first appointment and that you brought into your second place with like lessons about leadership and stuff like that? I think one of the things that I remember is in the middle of the, your two years training, you go out for 12 weeks to a, a placement and um, people are very gracious and they, they, um, they give you all sorts of advice and things like that. But I remember on our last Sunday in our, um, our placement in the summer of uh, 2012, it would have been, um, saying to the people and thanking the people at um, what was Hastings Citadel down on the south coast, um, thanking them for their patience with us and assuring them that a lot of the things that we've done in our 12 weeks there, we would never do again, you know, and thank you for being our guinea pigs and letting us try things out and the lessons we'd learned. And I think that we, we went there, then went to Scarborough and um, having had another 12 months in a training college to reflect on some actual, you know, placement um, opportunities and to be able to reflect on what that meant from a pastoral point of view, from a, 
a wider ministry point of view, um, we then could take that and apply that a little bit more to Scarborough. Um, and as Lorna said, some of the things that we, we learned in Scarborough, we never thought we, we'd learn um, what we did. And I think, I think Lorna, Lorna alluded to it a moment ago, every day there's a new learning experience and I'm guessing that that will be the same all the way through our officership and I think on the day that we come home one night and say we've not learned anything today will possibly be the day to think about you know are we are we doing the thing right uh, what, what what is it um are it is our calling still fresh and I think every single day we push ourselves we look at things we have conversations how have you found adapting to car life during lockdown having to sit, find new ways to actually still keep in contact with them and still keep that relationship with them is really difficult. But, I mean, technology, really, we've been using a lot of technology with the live streams. We've been doing our toddler church. And um, so we've been doing lots of things on, on face our Facebook page. But then we've also um, been doing... Um, well, um, phone calls, pastoral phone calls. We've been keeping in contact with our people by um, pastoral phone calls. Um, and we've sort of um, been doing CDs because we know a lot of our church family aren't on social media. So finding new ways actually to keep in contact with them and still keeping them spiritually fed. So we've been um, producing CDs um, every week. So they still um, have a meeting where they can listen to on a CD on a Sunday because um, it's still really important that we think of the whole church family, not just the ones that are on social media. So, yes, technology has been fantastic, but we've also um, been thinking of other ways where we can help and support everybody. Strangely, I think... We're more connected in this time. Um, and and I, I express that by um, we've been more focused on making sure we keep in contact with people. So on a Sunday, for instance, after the Sunday service is finished at our hall in Morley, we'll stand by the door and we'll probably inter well, not probably, we will interact with every single person that's been in in the in the church service in the meeting that morning. And it'll be a very quick handshake and a have a good week on the way out. Um, but particularly Lorna, as she's rung round, has probably been having 20 to 30 minute conversations on a regular basis with a lot of our congregation. Has probably had longer conversations with people because the opportunity has given itself to that than we would have normally had any opportunity to meet people on a, on a Sunday. Um, I've also noticed a really strange phenomenon happening in our meetings on a Sunday as we've gathered together. Um, normally, you're not sure what the reaction is of people. Um, and, and the first Sunday, we we were in the hall on our own broadcasting and we got no faces looking at us. It was really, really strange because you're normally greeted by a, you know, a, a group of people. And um, you get a bit of body language and you can tell whether they're enjoying the meeting with the arms folded or whether they're, you know, the smile. But as Sunday worship, um, lots of people are interacting with emojis that are flying up the screen and um, people are smiling in worship. People are lifting their hands in worship by pushing a button on a screen, which either puts a like or a love up. Um, one lady one day, I think she got the, the wrong end of the stick and she was just pushing constantly the hate button. And we just think that was a confused, she was a bit confused because she was new to Facebook. Um, but people are commenting. 
People are reiterating lines of songs in the comments box, which is enabling conversation to go on with other people. And um, so I strangely think that in some weird way, we've become more connected and are having better and deeper conversations, better and deeper and more meaningful worship together because that, that's, that, that's the way it is at the moment. And, you know, um, to see lots of people smiling in worship, so to speak, and um, raising their hands and this like that, next time we're all together in worship um i'm going to look around because it'll stop i hope it doesn't but it'll stop in fact our divisional commander has come up with a really good idea that we should we should produce some emojis and put them in people's hands and they should be going up and down in the meeting as we sit together and um and, and, and so that we can we can do it in the in the olden days in the salvation army that would be a hallelujah and an amen and a gospel shopping shouted out a word of scripture but we, we seem to have got a bit shy but maybe that will start again now we've got used to it in the new world of technology would you like to carry on the sort of uh, live streams and stuff once we can go back to normal sort of worship as well uh, absolutely if that's possible and if um you know if we can make that happen um i think we're contacting so many people um uh, two or three people have said that they feel connected to the church again through being able to to, to join in the, the the live stream services. Uh, just today, we've received a message from somebody that um, has been joining in with the live stream services, um, and we're doing at lunchtime every day on Zoom. We're doing a prayer meeting, and this particular person that um, hasn't been. I'm not sure if I haven't been to church, but certainly hasn't been to Morley Salvation Army since the 1960s, has asked for the login details for the prayer meeting tomorrow. Um, you know, without COVID-19, uh, we wouldn't have had the opportunity to, to have engaged with that gentleman um, and others too. Um, so I think that, um, yeah, we, we're definitely looking at ways to, to try and make sure that that happens as we go forward um, in some form or other. Is it because we had we had a discussion, didn't we, Lauren, about what we think of like how live streams and stuff work? And it'd be interesting to hear your opinion on this. Uh, does would you would you rather have like uh, hundreds of people on a live stream interacting that had never come to Molly Salvation Army, or what 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 would you do? Say to those people that don't ever come to church but come to the live streams, would you want them to eventually come to church? Um. All I'm bothered about is getting them to understand what it is to have a relationship with God. If they want to come and sit on a seat on a Sunday morning in front of us and physically be there and have a handshake afterwards, that's absolutely perfect. If they want to sit in their pajamas with a cup of tea and um, you know do it on on their on their sofa, um, as long as um, in some form or other they are journeying with jesus then i don't i don't care where they do that uh, to be honest if they wanted to go and do that i don't think they're open at 10 o'clock on a sunday morning but if they wanted to go and sit and do that in the pub i'll be happy to broadcast to them mm. just as long as we can reach people through these new mediums these new technologies that we've got available to us that actually have been there before and and you know um bless him james who helps us with the technology on a sunday morning almost 
ever since we've been at Morley, which is nearly two years now, has been saying we ought to be live streaming. And we've said, oh, no, we couldn't possibly ever do that. Um, but this has opened up a whole new um, ministry opportunity for us. So, you know, I, I know people can now we're allowed to. They can go and sit on the park bench on a Sunday if they want to um, and, and listen to it wherever. Um, the important thing for, from our point yeah. of view is that they, they, they get a relationship with God and they deepen that relationship yeah. with God, however that suits them. What are the main sort of lessons you've taken out of this COVID pandemic? Like, what, what are you going to carry with you for the rest of your life that you've learned from this? Oh, what we learned from it. Again, I suppose really it's sort of, uh, like Richard's already said, deepening the relationships we've already got with one another and um, talking with um, each other a lot more than perhaps just the quick conversation on a Sunday. Um, and it's really, it's the, the relationship building and things. I mean, church is more than just the building, isn't it? We're, we're, the, build, we're the church and, and it's re really good that we've been able to express ourselves um, and to express God's love in, in lots of different ways. And, and, and it's important that we carry on doing that even when things go back to normal as, as such. But I think that we, well, we are definitely the church. It's not the building. And we still need to get out there and preach God's words like we're doing now. And there'll still be fantastic ways that God will reveal to us um, how to proclaim his words to the people in this community. Um, for me, um, at the moment, it's um, definitely the church is relevant. There's a lot of people out there searching and seeking. Um, I read something a few weeks ago that normally about 6% of the population of the UK, I think it is, go to church on a Sunday. Um, and 25% of the adult population of this country have engaged with an online service in the last eight weeks. Um, and we know from the feedback that we've got, and as I've used that example of that gentleman a few minutes ago, um, there are people that we would never, ever have been able to minister to, um, that we have ministered to. They've appreciated the ministry. They've... They've then searched in other, in other places as well. Uh, and it's got people searching and, and realising, you know, that... And I think one of the things that it's been able to show us, is, us to show through the ministry we do on a Sunday is um, church isn't stuffy. You know, we've had some good fun on a Sunday. Uh, last Sunday, we tried to push the boundaries a little bit and get some of our young people involved um, by having a live Skype in, um, demonstration of something on in the meeting. And it just went hilariously wrong. But it didn't matter. It really didn't matter. In fact, it added to it. And, and we're just normal human beings. Um, and this morning in Toddler Church, I apologise to Lauren again. Um, you know, I got the technology wrong this morning. For some reason, some videos didn't work. So this morning, Lauren and Lorna are singing a cappella, Who's the King of the Jungle?, <laughs> two different tunes yeah ooh, ooh. two different <laughs> tunes going at the same time but actually it didn't matter because they were worshiping they were praising god we're normal human beings um that just want to share god's love with people in relevant ways and as i said at the start of this very long answer yet again um we we um we're the church is relevant for 2020 and beyond, 
it's not um, a, a stuffy place where people come and it's not a list of things that you can't do. It's a release to a life of things that you can do if you find the Lord. Um, and that's my experience. And I think the people appreciate the authenticity of it and they appreciate when people are real because then it kind of takes us off that pedestal that so many people in society think we put ourselves on. Um, and I just think it's, it's really helpful for them to see us as those real people, definitely. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and we, we, you know, we, we, we could have done um, ministry on a Sunday um, with it all pre-recorded. But actually, we did a lot of pre-recorded stuff for the week before Easter, and it was an absolute nightmare because, oh, I've just said that word wrong, so I'm going to re-record it again. And it took hours and hours and hours. And actually, then, as you watch it, it wasn't really us, because we get it wrong from time to time. But if it's pre-prepared, you want it to be the best it can possibly be. Whereas if it's live and it's what we would perhaps normally be like, not the first Sunday or the second Sunday because we were quite nervous, but we've got into it a bit more now. Actually, it's us and it's the way that we lead worship and it's the, the, the normal type of things that we do. And if it goes wrong, which often it will, and, you know, we, we say the wrong thing and we put it right and I end up apologising, then that, so be it. But that's that's what we are, um, you know. And, and it, as we said earlier, every day is a learning experience and, and needs to be. So, yeah, that word Lauren used, authenticity by doing it live, is, is, is what we, we like about it. So you've talked a lot about um, kind of the live streams and your Sunday kind of outreach stuff during COVID-19. Um, but what are some of the other ways that you've been kind of reaching out to your local community? Um, and, yeah, kind of those kind of things. Can you talk us through that? Well, on a our Thursday is one of our busiest days um, because that's when we make up the food parcels um, to take out. And, and we built up a really good relationship with uh, one of the old people complex around the corner, Jubilee Court, where we take a number of... Uh, uh, food parcels around there on a Thursday and it's good because we go around with our trolleys stacked high with food parcels but it's good because uh, people are looking at, at looking at us as we go and and that's a witness in itself really that the Salvation Army is out and about and, and helping and supporting this time so yeah so we're, we're giving out food parcels um, again um, we're making phone calls like our luncheon club um, ladies and gentlemen I, I like to give them a, a ring every week just to make sure um, that they're okay and even with those phone calls I'm finding that the phone calls started off just a couple of minutes but now um, they can last up to 20-30 minutes because um, they just like talking um, and then um, we're keeping in contact um with the toddler moms and yeah so we're, we're doing lots of um different things during the week well i think as well we've 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 built better relationships or deeper relationships with some of the businesses within the town as well um bnm morrison's um have been very helpful to us um one morning um, when lauren and lorna were busy packing um, food parcels up we suddenly realized that we'd run out of bags to put them in so a very quick phone call to our new dearest friend at B&M Roger and um, within about 10 minutes we got 500 um, carrier bags um, donated from B&M to be able to help us um, with, with that and, and last week when we went to Morrison's um, not only did we get um, food supplies for people 
but they've given us some some lovely books that we can distribute to children and some activity books and some books for toddlers and then there's some older reading material as well for some teenagers and things like that so i think we're 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 we're, we're adding to that work that we've done within our community in in in, in um the last few years it's been going on for many years but certainly since we've been here we've been trying to deepen our um, relationships with members of our community and then just last week um, we got involved in a meeting with the Leeds Food Aid Network um, and to be fair to Leeds City Council they've done a fantastic job in providing um, food support to people that are in in, in need but it was recognised there that eventually Leeds City Council will have to stop that provision in the form it's been given at the moment and then the voluntary organisations, churches, things like that um, will we'll, we'll step in and we were able to share there that we've actually got some capacity to be able to to take some more referrals than, than perhaps we have at the moment um, been doing at the moment because the city council being so good so that's built another relationship a little bit firmer with the Leeds Food Aid Network um, which is enabling us then to reach another lot of people that we've never dealt with before and one of the little things that we do from our food bank is um, we ask members of the Salvation Army going back to September of last year at Harvest to um, give us their favourite Bible verse. So one of the things we do on our food parcels that go out is every piece of food that goes out, every tin that goes out, every um, bag of sugar that goes out, a bottle of milk that goes out has got a Bible verse on it. The thought process behind the Bible verse is, is that... Um, Hopefully one day when the tin comes out of the cupboard, that Bible verse that's on that tin might just be the right Bible verse for that person for that day. And certainly that's 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 what I, I would like to think would happen. Um, so, yeah, that's quite a, an unusual thing. I don't think there's many people that do that. But we, we just make sure that happens so that that's got some missional value to it rather than just giving out a food parcel. There is a way of connecting with people and letting them know what what we're about um, as we do those things. Yeah, and it's probably worth mentioning that um, you also include a war cry in them, uh, which is a Salvation Army magazine that might just have something in there. Um, and we try and give them our mobile number as well, uh, like a the call mobile number, um, and explain to them about our pastoral phone calls and things. So if that's something they feel that they would benefit from, it just gives them a little bit of support. Yes. Thank you, Lauren, for that reminder of, of that. Um, she keeps us on the straight and narrow during the course of the week. So thank you for that as well. I try. <laughs> no, you do. So I've got uh, one question left, and it is... Uh, if, do you have any advice you'd like to give to young people that have potentially thinking about officership or leadership roles within their church? Lorna's quivering. Good question. Oh. Well, what I would say is that you've just got to listen to listen to God. Yeah, he, he asks you to do things um, that you never, ever expected to be asked to do. Um, I'm an example. I never, ever thought I'd be... Um, call to be an army officer but I mean you've just got to be led by God listen to him and it may take you down paths um, that you don't really want to go down but whatever he's asking you to do he will always equip you Um, and yeah you can um, you can sort of try and ignore him 
But uh, let me tell you, he never gives up. He'll keep badgering and badgering you until you follow the call and he needs you to do, whether that's in your, your local church, because there's lots of things that um, um, can be done in the local church, which um, he'll be wanting young young people to do, or even if that's officership. But it, it sounds very scary, but the Lord always always provides and always protects. So it's just, just to listen and follow where he leads, even if that means um, taking those difficult paths. Um, yeah, what would I say? Um, I said earlier that the church, I believe, is still relevant in 2020 and beyond. And therefore, I still believe that God is calling people to um, spiritual leadership in whatever form that might look. Um, if you want to, if you're in a role at the moment that you don't feel fulfilled in and you feel um, not at peace, um, and this is talking from personal experience, um, that yes to God, which, as I said, was 1988, but actually I'd probably forgotten a little bit about that along the, along the way. But once 2008 came and, and Lorna had been called and we gave our yes to God, um, there was a load of barriers and things in the way. I can't do this because of. And a load, a load of things, a, list, a whole list of things. And one by one, in exactly the right order, all of those things were just taken away so there was no barrier. Um, but it started with that yes to God. And once the yes to God had been given, all of those things broke down. And in perfect time, um, we, we found ourselves at just the right time with just the right session in the training college. Um, and somebody far more eloquent and better than me, and it may not have even been his own words, but he was the chief secretary at the time when we were in the training college, um, Colonel David Hinton used to come into the training college and remind us that it is not about your ability, but it is about your availability, giving your yes to God. He does the rest, believe me. Well, thank you very much for this interview. It's been a bit rocky, but we've got to the end of it. Uh, if people wanted to get in contact with... <laughs> if people wanted to get in contact with Molly Salvation Army or with the live streams, how would they do that? We have a Facebook page, um, Morley Salvation Army, um, and it's got a big red shield against it. And just like that page and you'll see us popping up at all different times. There is also, you can message us through the Facebook page um, on the messaging system. Um, and on our Facebook page as well is an email address and a telephone number. And there's also um, a website which has got our details on. So yeah, just search us out online and um, give us a call um, and uh, as we often say to people if we can't help we'll try and find somebody that can brilliant uh, well I, I've really enjoyed speaking to you like you my car obviously but I'd never really come up to you and ask these sort of questions so being able to ask them has been great have you got anything to, to speak to you yeah yeah thank you I, I mean, I work with you every day, but I feel like I've learnt lots from this too. So thank you very much for taking the time to chat to us. <laughs> I look forward to tomorrow then, Laura. <laughs>